This is weatherbell.com Chief Meteorologist Joe Bastardi, the American Storm on Twitter, and this is the American Storm uh, podcast. This is episode seven, and I am joined by uh, the the still ruling voice of everything that is important at Penn State since our other testosterone-based sport got beat this weekend by a school that apparently in football has more testosterone than us, Ohio State. Jeff Byers. Thank you. And voice of Penn State Wrestling. Yes. And, of course, uh, to add common sense from a uh, younger point of view, uh, the American girl, as I call her, Jessie Bastardi. Hello. Well, okay. Well, first of all, let's. Uh, a, a devastating fact came to me at the beginning of this football game. I, I want. I want to get the football out of the way first, um, because I've made a prediction. Penn State's going to win it this year based on the El Nino and some of these uh, records uh, that I brought up. But I did not realize. I had forgotten. Ohio State had won a national championship in 1968, an El Nino year. That was one of our El Nino years. It was one of the, uh, you know, the beginning of the screwings, I call them, of ignoring Penn State and making sure even though Penn State's unbeaten, they're ranked, you know, fifth or sixth in the country or whatever. So I, I go, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize Ohio State was that good in that El Nino year. Now, actually, Ohio State and Michigan, I went and researched their records during El Nino years, and they are hmm. they're comparable to our record. So in So they El follow Nino. the same uh, pattern. Yeah, they follow the same pattern, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in you know, we, I've had some tongue-in-cheek humor. That sucks. About Wait, the, that's like um, that's kind of this that this relates to climate because that's kind of what they do. They cherry pick data. Well, I'm not cherry picking data. Or no, I know, I know you're not cherry picking data, but they, they just like ignored it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh wait, they're not paying the big picture. I, I did not look at I the know, big picture. I know. See, see that exactly. So see? <laughs> now the big, it's kind of weird because uh, my other team, everybody's up in arms over Jimbo, and yeah, uh, you're really in the trenches. Both of your teams are. <laughs> and uh, you know the difference between Jimbo and James Franklin is Jimbo has far, far, far superior, uh, not talent. He's got far superior... Resources, sort of? Resources. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more I, money I'm than like, uh, anyone in college football. Are you kidding me? Got, well, you know, every time I go down to A&M, I'm not making excuses for Coach Franklin, except that I, I want to say that, uh, you know, people are around here, and I noticed this when I first came to school, that people up here are spoiled, this was in 73. I mean, if we didn't go out and beat everybody by 30 points, the people were upset, right? And, you know, as a long-suffering Aggie fan, I knew this year was going to be a problem because in the El Nino years, the Aggies averaged eight wins. So <laughs> they weren't going to be winning the national title anyway. But, uh, you know, people have to understand with Penn State, every single time except that one blowout we had of Ohio State, I always felt Ohio State was the better team. I think we snuck one game out or something, uh, but I always felt that it took a big play or two to win it. A big play or two would have won this game. You know, the scoop and score, and the, the, the kid tipped the ball. If he had not tipped that ball and that pass, 
uh, one of the few times our receivers got open, he would have been gone. So you had a 14 point swing in there. But that being said, you know, I, I, I was sort of by the third quarter, I got, you know, uh, what is it, graveyard humor? I was just laughing at what was going on, Marvin Harrison, because I've seen it before. Maserati when, Marv. Whenever, whenever <laughs> Marvin, whenever uh, uh, Texas Tech was playing in him, the Aggies would drop ten in coverage, and they'd still get the ball to Crabtree. I, <laughs> and so a guy catches fourteen, fifteen balls against you. I mean, and you can't figure out. Well, maybe we ought to put two or three p. I don't know uh, how to stop him. Uh, and again, you know, isn't he it, one of the best wide receivers in the country, though? Of course he is. Well, but one of the we're best supposed in the to have a, But our defense is playoff worthy. Our offense was not playoff worthy. I yeah, thought. but well, that's the, weird. The, the, the thing is with the offense is I've always said this over the years. Well, when you can't throw the ball downfield. Well, we uh, we can't do. Your receivers have to get open. Yeah, but you have to have a line. That and, and and this is and this is what gets me. I know everything is all fancy, it's fancy nowadays, and all this stuff. But what Joe used to say is, there's got to come a time where you've got a yard or two to get, and you line up across your guy and say, "We're coming. You got to stop us." And um, so apparently that uh, that isn't the case. I don't know why. Uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, we went for that, uh, you know, when there was plenty of time left and we had plenty of timeouts left. But I do think that the, uh, you know, Penn State fan base is ham- hammering Coach Franklin much too much. I mean, the guy averages 10 wins a year. And he's got, you know, the other thing is, too. But what do you change? Because you don't you want to be, don't you want to win a national title? I do want to win a national I do want to win a national title. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, or it's I, like, if, sorry to interrupt again, but if Penn state wrestling was not beating Iowa year after year after year, what would you do? Well, what we, we did what we did. Well, we weren't beating anybody for a while down back. That there, was not so. the question. You're dodging the question. That wouldn't be okay uh, with you. No, it, it, our alumni wouldn't be okay, but who are you going to hire? I, I know. Who, who I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, James Franklin? I'm not saying that, but there has, something has to happen you can't just lose to ohio state uh, no year after year after year But you gotta find unless you're okay with being okay i think being old school and basic and an analog driven person you've got to have a line that can protect the quarterback and you've got to have one or two it became obvious as the game went on that the ohio state defensive secondary was just like (laughs) Yeah, go on out for a pass. You know, you can't get you can and that shuts every that shuts everything down. You know, your uncle Matt, my my brother, great great quarterback, great quarterback coach. He still runs a camp. Yeah, he, he coaches. Says, everybody um, goes, oh, look at the quarterback, or look at this, or look at that. You got to have all everything firing on all cylinders, and uh, you know, I, I do think Penn State can regroup and. Uh, try to win against Michigan. Yeah, what if we beat Michigan? I love when that happens. If that were to happen. I want to hear what Jeff has to say, though. The voice of Penn State sports. Come on. Well, there's a few things that I think are just fascinating coming out of the game. Uh, there's a couple of narratives that have come out. One is that, uh, listen, James Franklin's making $6.5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pay him that kind of money. You need to be beating Ohio State more than once uh, a decade. 
The counter to that is Ryan Day is getting paid about $3 million a year more than James Franklin. Mm -hmm. James Franklin is the 11th highest paid coach in the country. Penn State clearly in the Franklin era is one of the top 10 programs Mm -hmm. in the country, probably either, you know, somewhere in that six to eight range. I I would argue they're either six or seven uh, here since James Franklin has taken over. And that includes the first couple of years where – You know, he was very much hamstrung by sanctions. And really, you know, the 2016 season is still one of the most remarkable things I think I've ever seen in sports because Mm -hmm. of where Penn State was uh, when Franklin took over and, and just the way that whole season unfolded. A couple of things. They keep harping on uh, James Franklin and his record against Ohio State, and that's fair. Obviously, that's where Penn State is wanting to be. That's where you're trying to get. I just don't see that same statistic being brought up every time somebody plays Alabama. And, by the way, do you know what Alabama's record against Georgia is in the last 10 years in, uh, during the regular season? It's 0-0. They don't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Penn State has to play Ohio State and Michigan every year. The SEC, do you think Nick Saban's record would be a little different if he was playing the top team mm-hmm. in the other division at least a couple of times over and a five-year Was it next year's last year we play Ohio State, division. isn't it? The other thing is, too, I read I, – I read, uh, that Joe's record against Ohio State wasn't so great either. It wasn't great. I think, uh, yeah, when did I we mean, beat it was them? sub 500. Um, but on the road, the, the, on the road, we never beat them on the road. Yeah. Well, not, yeah, not often. Um, no, I don't. But when you look at, uh, so again, obviously, James Franklin and, and the program want to. Uh, replace uh, Ohio State as as the top dog. But that is easier said than done. Again, Mm -hmm. Ryan Day took over a program that was already at the the top of the heap. Mm -hmm. And all credit to him, it's not easy to maintain that. So I I don't want to make it sound like Ryan Day uh, isn't working his tail off and earning uh, what Ohio State is getting. But... Uh, no, another couple of things. James Franklin is a terrific recruiter, but Penn State isn't out recruiting Ohio State. Every year, Ohio State has had a top five class in the last five years. (laughs) Penn State's classes have been good and rank anywhere from 10th to 20th during that same era. But yeah, they're getting a few more of the elite athletes uh, each year. And... It's like, well, then Penn State needs to go get more elite athletes. Fine, but there are a lot of schools competing for those top athletes, and I would argue Penn State uh, is getting uh, more of its fair share. I think Penn State, talent-wise, is closer than than ever. I do question the offensive game planning. I just, uh, to me, you had a month to get ready for this game with the uh, UMass and the bye week. I, I just don't understand how there wasn't more creativity Mm. to the schemes that they were doing the other thing that is puzzling to me though is drew aller and i I love the kid and i love the the fact that he wears his heart on his sleeve and the tears and he's taking it personally i mean that's the kid you want representing your your team and your university but it is 
incredible the difference and, and listen first year starters a lot of times your numbers They're are going to be better mm-hmm. at home than on the road right but they're not just better. They're miles apart. Aller at home is completing 73% of his passes. That is that is near Heisman Trophy level completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Now the yardage and, and everything yeah. else isn't there. But no interceptions and 73% completion rate. That's going to win you a whole lot of games uh, at any level of football. On the road, he is completing 48% of his well, passes. Well, who the road gave? One was Iowa, great defense. No, Iowa was home. Yeah, we played Iowa at home. Oh, they, they, he put up those great numbers against Iowa at home. Uh, yeah, Northwestern, uh, Illinois, and Ohio State are your three road games. Illinois has a good defensive line, but that's not a great overall defense. Northwestern is Northwestern. And, yeah, Ohio State is a really good defense. Uh, and even if you take the UMass, even if you say, well, okay, but listen, you, you had uh, UMass and Delaware in there. Fine, take those two games out against West Virginia and against Iowa. West Virginia, again, probably an average uh, kind of Power 5 defense, but a legit team and, and defense. And Iowa, certainly one of the better defenses mm-hmm. uh, in the Big Ten, one of the better defenses in the country. Allers completed 70% of his passes against those two teams. So there's... Uh, I, again, I get, uh, and I'm not looking to throw Aller overboard or, or, or anything. A 19 year old, but kid. it was crazy how bad his fundamentals were on mm-hmm. Saturday. I've just not not seen anything like well, it. Where I, I mean, he was throwing off of his back foot. I, I don't know how many times. Well, was scared, uh, and and yeah, and but, but and, what, what, and not I, following through in his throws. He kept doing the little like uh, darts I'm, where he's just kind of flicking his arm. It it's just. I've never seen anything like it where you, you, your your basics, your fundamentals just completely well, collapsed it, it, for the course of the entire game. Mm-hmm. I, it just was, it, it was tough why. to watch. Here's why. He was under tremendous pressure. No, and that was the thing. A he, lot of times he was under zero pressure. He was feeling pressure when that wasn't res- there sometimes. When res- and the snaps were, were low. I, I will say, I, I think he was feeling rushed because he was having to go down and, and get the uh, snap. But, yeah, there were a lot of plays where he was feeling pressure that was not there. Well, he, I think when your receivers cannot get separation – it, it, it's a whole different mindset as a quarterback. Yeah, and I'm 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 talking experience from a guy who knows has put a couple of guys are uh, the backup Welcome quarterback back. at Notre Dame and a couple of other guys. Let's plug him eliqb.com. Yeah, eliqb.com. But yeah, uh, go and ahead. by the way, if you we're going to get on climate uh, just what, a moment. Steve Angeli, yeah, Notre Dame. Right? Yes, yeah, so, and. and well, I'll be interested to see. Well, what's his name? The Notre Dame quarterback. Sam is Hartman. Le- yeah, he's leaving now after this year, right? This is his last year. I don't know. But- Hartman. But my brother, you know, uh, one kid he had, Steve Angeli, he's uh, back up at uh, Notre Dame. He's his second team guy. And, uh, uh, you know, Maddie had him from when he was eight years old, you know. So, and, and, and I'll tell you. Uh, the one thing about my brother is, you know, when I was a little kid, I thought he was stupid. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> That guy is so smart and so tough. I can't. I look up to my little brother, but I can remember being at a football game with him, and it it's a totally different world when you have a guy that knows what's going on in the game. All right, like Maddie does, where you know um, someone makes an audible and we get four yards, and he says, uh, 
that was a great audible. We were going to lose yards on that, you know, stuff like that. And the other thing before we get to climate, Garrett, my son, if you're listening, you're finally right. Your dad doesn't know what he's talking about. I was driving Garrett out of his mind because he, he, he analyzes football like crazy. And over the last two years, and when I do bet, I would just win all the time, right? And he'd be like, there's no reason your reasoning is all wrong. And this year I'm just getting getting destroyed out of the gate. So, uh, But in any case, I do want to get to, uh, to what this is for. But obviously, look, I bleed blue and white. Uh, a Penn State fan, it, you know, this year I made the mistake of letting football actually be important to me rather than just a run up to wrestling, which is, uh, you know. If, yeah, if, as soon as we lose to Ohio State, I'm always like, yes, wrestling season. It's like yeah, God times. Yeah, that's birth. right. So we could, we could watch their their coaches cry on the sideline all the time while Kale just sits there and looks at them. <laughs> all right, so uh, first of all, a lot going on in the weather this week. And uh, I want to I get this out there in case it happens because if – at the end of this week, what is Hurricane Tammy tonight is moving westward toward the southeast part of the United States. There are going to be a lot of people saying, well, this is a sign of climate change, an October storm doing this. But there is a precedent to that. And I've already put it on Twitter. It's called the Yankee Storm, 1935, which very, very similar weather situation where you had a lot of cold air pouring into the West. And what obviously happened was the jet stream developed strongly over the Northeast, and it, dro- it drove this storm from near Bermuda all the way back through the Florida Straits and then into the Gulf of Mexico. So it was called the Yankee Storm. It did a lot of damage, uh, uh, not as much as the 1935 Labor Day hurricane. But I love to do this. I love to get that out there first so that if next Monday at this time, if we're seeing people say, look at this, Florida's getting hit by a storm in October, blah, 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 that came from here, I'll be able to say, wait a minute, be there, done that. So that's a pretty wait, unusual there's thing. there's a storm coming to, is it going to hit St. Pete's? No, it's not okay, hitting, good, it's coming, it's coming from the Atlantic side. Oh, okay, you said southeast part of the United States, so I just assume. Well, no, it's coming from the Atlantic side, so it's going. Now, no, hit the, 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 like, the Gulf in the southeast is not done yet, mm-hmm. all right? Because even if Tammy doesn't do this, we've got to watch what's going on in the southwest Caribbean for the end game of the hurricane season. Remember in 2009, which is a similar-looking uh, multivariate ENSO index year as this. And, again, I'm uh, uh, thinking that a lot of people listening – are people that uh, are weather nuts over here. Um, you had Ida, and Ida was a hurricane in November. By the way, the Yankee storm, the Yankee storm uh, was in October 30th through November 8th. See, it's this time of the year they can do that, mm-hmm. right? At this time of the year they can be driven that way because you can really enhance some things a lot more. But Ida, uh, then after it hit the United States, uh, became a very severe East Coast storm. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't have a name at the time. It's probably stronger as a non-name feature, so it's one of those. A tremendous amount of cold air starts pouring into the West later this week, and winter uh, is going to come to the center part of the United States this weekend and the next week. And 
Here, we're going to bask and just, you, yeah, you better right. enjoy it now. We're you supposed better. to be in the mid-60s next week, right? Oh, no, we're going into the 70s this oh, really? week. Yeah, in fact, I texted the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club mm-hmm. saying, you know, vitamin D enhances testosterone production. Make sure you get out there and get your sunshine, mm-hmm. all right? I've got the, uh, uh, listen, <laughs> how many wrestling clubs have a private weatherman? I mean, think about that. Although, to be fair, the Nittany Line Wrestling Club does not use me for local purposes. They they <laughs> use the wise guys of weather, which is uh, Casey Cunningham. And uh, I bust on Casey all the time. I said, yeah, you, you won a lot of very, very close matches because uh, guys couldn't penetrate your defense. It appears what goes on here with your forecasting is the same kind of thing. You never get on the offensive and say anything way in advance. You wait for me to say something and then adopt a, a defensive posture. Oh, so he uh, waits for you to shoot in? Yeah, waits for me to shoot. Mm-hmm. And then he – basically his, his idea on snow. And now the pressure's on because I'm on the Fox here with Jeff, 98.7 the Fox, and I'm locally forecasting again. So I gotta, I gotta get these things right. I can't just sit there and yell at <laughs> Channel Ten now and go, "What the heck are you guys talking about?" Because people are gonna be saying, "What the heck am I talking about?" The, at this time of the year, the worst thing is morning fog, mm-hmm. and and trying to predict some days that are going to be foggy and not foggy and things like that. And what's interesting about that is, Dr. Joel Myers had this idea that if the wind speed during the day, average more than 13 miles an hour, you won't get fog to form at night. And I was like, what? He, he claimed that the buildup of static electricity in the trees because of the wind hmm, eliminated cool. fog formation. And I started tracking that. Boy, that guy, that guy, that whole bunch over there, they were in a different world. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, so... Uh, uh, anyway, we didn't have much wind today, so I think we get a lot of fo- fog tonight. Now, um, of course, the biggest news is that we have all, and thank God we're alive. Mm-hmm. Everybody listening to this, I'm glad you've lived through the warmest year on record. It wasn't the warmest year on record as far as what weather stations see, but it was all over the place. And I will continue to insist that if you actually examine what's going on, this is our this is San Jacinto. If we know San Jacinto is a battle in Texas. When I was when I grew up in Texas, I love Texas history. Where Sam Houston literally pulled Santa Ana into the battlefield he want, and then just took him out. Right, but this is the battlefield we wanted because the sudden increase. In, uh, in temperatures this year has to be directly relinked to, law, to water vapor. The cumulative buildup, and I've said this a thousand times, and what's the cumulative buildup has been the underwater volcanic activity. These super ninos go off, they add to it, so you're just continually adding to it. Now, you say, well, that means it could just go through the roof. Well, one of the things is that the warmer it gets, the harder it is to get warmer. So for the freak occurrence that occurred this year, it had to be traced to water vapor with that Hunga Tunga Munga Junga volcano that went off last year. And uh, what was interesting about that is an enormous volcano, but it was not one that spewed a lot of ash into the air. See, when you spew a lot of ash, sulfur dioxide into the air, the atmosphere cools because there's more 
particulate matter blocking sunlight. But when you just put water vapor up because of water vapor's nature, the atmosphere warms. So this, all, I looked at this and said, well, all this, uh, all this adds to the theory that I have. I, I can't call it a theory, a hypothesis I have. Any case, um, so the other night I was out and was explaining this to a few people. And, you know, sh showing the linkage between people not knowing that at all and other issues, people not knowing it. And the people that I was talking to, uh, they go, oh, so you're one of those conspiracy nuts, right? And I think that is, that's very, very interesting today that ignorance begats arrogance with people. I, and I am not saying that I am correct. What I am saying is I examine all I can get my hands on so I'm not ignorant of the fact. Now, what happens is today, and I was, I was just really taken aback by the person. And this happened to me up in, the, up in, a, up in a box of the football game, Jeff. I told, I, I, we did a podcast. I, I said, how the heck... Is this society going to be able to survive if people are totally, totally do not understand the facts? Whether it's I gave I gave her an interesting fact, you know, for instance, and and that I have to actually worry about saying this in 2023 America shows you how far we have fallen. It has come out that toxology report on George Floyd has come out. All right. Now, what I want to know is that toxology report was available a week after the incident. Why did it take three years to put that out? And if you actually look at what the toxo toxology report said, you'll find out why it took three years to put out. And uh, no one says boo about it. Uh, Arctic ice caps melting. No one says boo about it. I see Travis Kelsey advertising, uh, you know, go, you know, taking one shot after another or whatever it is. I'm saying, are you aware of the increase in these effects? They didn't just occur magically since this started. Now, that does not say that the vaccine in whatever form you get it or you want to take it is worthless or is harmful. What it's saying is that it is not without risk. And you should know that risk. And you got to, this guy, I'll tell you, um, when I'm watching those commercials, I'm going, well, I'll tell you what, you got more guts than me, given the actual statistics and seeing that kid from Buffalo, Buffalo go down last year. Oh, no, no, no. How, how, how are those things happen? But this is what I'm talking about. So people understand. Things are being hidden. Uh, and part of it's our fault because they're actually out there. It's fascinating there was a statistic I had uh, having to do with uh, crime, right? And I said to that person, did you know this? And uh, the person says, there's no way. Yeah, that, there's no way that that's right. I says, yeah, it's exactly right. You just don't know it. No, it can't be. Because I can't see it. I don't know it. So, but what was interesting was I went to look it up. It's gone. I can't find it anywhere, all right? Just like the 2014 paper on the, that got, really got me going 
on the exponential increase in volcan- underwater volcanic activity. That was the title of the paper. It was by some research meteorologists, I think over, I don't know where they were from. Uh, they may have been Chinese-based research meteorologists in the United States. Put out that paper. So I blasted it all over Twitter. I go, take a look at this. A week after I started promoting that, gone. I couldn't find it in uh, find it on LinkedIn. This page has been removed, right? So uh, this is uh, the other thing I'm finding out too. And uh, you know, you just just gave me a look like, what's going on? Now, now there's there's stuff going on. Even okay, I have eighty thousand Twitter followers. All right, uh, and I can't believe that if I mouth off about climate, that only there are only four thousand views on something that has the word climate in it. But you know, I, I I've seen stuff retweeted where I've had, and I don't really keep count of it. But I started keeping count the other day because a buddy of mine says, calls me up and he says, I don't see any of your tweets. I, I where, where are they? Aren't you tweeting anymore? And so well, I, I don't. Know. Elon's changed the landscape of Twitter. Like, if you're not, if you if someone follows you, there's a chronological Twitter where if you fire off twelve tweets in a row within the span of ten minutes, you're gonna see them in a row, boom, boom, boom. But once you open the Twitter app, you're on, you're not on a following page, chronological order. You're on a for you page. So a lot of people think that they're looking at a chronological order, and it's like, oh, I'm not seeing tweets. But if you swipe or if you you can click to a side your your twitter automatically and a lot of people don't know that at this point it's hard for people it's hard for people who have been on twitter forever and ever and ever unless you're following elon and you look at a lot of his tweets um because elon says it like every day you're on your for you page for the most part if you're not seeing a lot of people's tweets because it's not chronological anymore so in other in other words unless they're they're sending it out to certain people what do you mean no i'll show you right now I'll show you, like, right. it's like, but, but, but well, it's hard. The point Whatever. is, is uh, you know, I I try to use Twitter to play around, but the climate and weather. Today I did, today I did a political thing, and I said, look, I uh, unless the less climate is involved with politics, I don't say anything about politics anymore. And boy, that's tough to do because I love it, but in all the stuff that's going on. But I did put out a <laughs> tweet today, just a poll that says. Would you rather see continued chaos like we're having in Congress now or Congress in a situation where someone has the accelerator on the highway to hell, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, which is interesting. Oh, Congress isn't doing anything, you know. I'm like, yeah, well. So I, I, did, I did put that out today. But um, what, else is, what else is coming up? And, of course, in fact, uh, this week is uh, we do a lot of our win- – well, we've been – We've had winter forecast out since April, all right. And uh, this week, I you know I'll, I'll be in forecast land. In fact, as soon as I get home, I got to uh, do uh, update November. Uh, but there is so much going on this year. There is so much that is different about this year. And what I try to do is I try to show people things that nobody else is looking at. For instance, uh, you know, everybody is concerned with the strength of the El Nino. It's a strong El Nino, right? And so if you look at you look at two comparable El Ninos in 97 and 2015, the winters were warm. And sure enough, the, uh, NOAA comes out with the 
what is essentially a non-winter forecast for the United States. Now, actually, it's not a forecast. It's a probability of occurrence. It doesn't actually list temperatures, but it's painted with a lot of warm colors. All right. That's, that's all. But this, the other metrics that I'm studying have nothing to do with those years. For instance, something called the multivariate ENSO index is very similar to years where winter was very bad in the United States. There, there's evidence that the uh, Mann-Julian oscillation, I, I watch religiously precipitation patterns from East Africa to Indi, through Indonesia to northeast of Australia. Completely opposite last year. Not only that, but there's already what we call stratospheric warming beginning to develop over Asia later in the month of November into December. And these are associated with severe Arctic outbreaks into the United States in the winter season. So you got that. Then you have something known as the Pacific Ocean Tripole. And this is nowhere, it has nowhere near the same readings that we see in these warmer winters. It's, it's much more, and the reason why is because the Pacific's so warm all over the place, it's negating the warmth in the central Pacific. So here's the bottom line. We've got a pretty significantly cold and snowy winter, uh, certainly relative to last winter. And my fear is I'm not cold enough. My fear is from mid-December, and, and this has just evolved over the last couple of months, because what happens is I see this stratospheric warming going on at the end of November, beginning of December. I know that there's a lag, right, that between that warming and the response in the lower levels of the atmosphere. I get the Japanese Meteorological Agency map, and it shows January being a bear. I mean, and what's interesting is, too, is the standard thought process is, well, winters, uh, El Nino winters come late. Well, they didn't come late 1969, 76, and 77, for instance, nor in 2009. And it's like, as I say to uh, folks, look, it's like you're at a family reunion. Uh, you know, <laughs> not everybody is the same in that family reunion. So we've got some real, real, real interesting winter stuff that's going to be coming out. And I'm going to review it more extensively next week because we have to do it this week. But I want people listening to the podcast. to un Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at a weather bell discussion and then look at your, all your other discussions that you're hearing and say, well, wait a minute. What the heck is weather bell doing looking at this, 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 and this? And I don't see that. Well, what's, what's the standard line? Oh, there's an El Nino. And this is the El Nino pattern. And um, so, and it may very well be that I am guilty of overtraining, all right, <laughs> that I may be looking into too many things. Uh, I, but I'd rather lose because I train too hard than tr just, you know, lay back and trained easy. Yeah, that makes sense. And I do think there's a lot to be said for, Yes, looking at as, as much data and as many different viewpoints as you can uh, on the data. The, the thing that is that I just find fascinating with what is and isn't reported 
in terms of, of climate change is there are other things. Like if somebody says the world is flat, nobody tries. You don't take that tweet down or anything. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's absurd. We can prove that's wrong. If it's something that is against climate change, it just, like you said, it just kind of disappears. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's insane. Mm. Like if it is truly provably wrong, then just counter it and say, I mean, show a, you know, if for the flat earthers, you can show a picture of the earth from space and they'll say, you know, these are made up pictures, whatever. But, I mean, you can prove it. You don't just say, you know, you don't yank off the uh, differing opinion, even where it is verifiably an actually false opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I should I should I should uh, do that. Too. I should tweet. Go home and tweet. Water does not freeze at thirty two. And see if that gets taken down. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. There's, I'm sure there's other. <laughs> there, uh, that's a that's a good that's an interesting point, Jeff. I mean, no, it is. Yeah, it's like it's almost a good thing when it's getting taken down. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, there might be something here if people are actually threatened by it. Well, look, I mean? it's cost us where our country is now. Uh, the the fact is that if you had if if the general population had known. All about Hunter Biden's laptop. You see, uh, and, and Tony Bobolinsky, when we were talking to him, he brings it up at five states, five swing states. If you change people, be, and and oh, the yeah. idea that the 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 Democratic candidate got up there and said this is total disinformation, knowing full well that it was true. I, I don't even believe in the integrity of voting anymore. Like I don't I, yeah, even if, like I have it. a hard time with that. Like now that everything's electronic or people can't freaking count, I don't know, but be it error and uh, I just I yeah, don't know well, if I, I believe th- in I think integrity you, anymore. I think so. you mm-hmm. it's your patriotic duty unless well, you're I mean, inca- they're, they're, incapacitated to get up and go vote. But also, but also they're going after a candidate right now. Like tr- Yeah, I feel if, like we if, live if in the a guy is such a crook then he won't get elected. I know. If he was such a crook, he would have been in jail by now. That's the thing, too. It's like well, they've tried so, the so, 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 so hard for so long. The problem is that he's running for president. Yeah. Look, there's, uh, say what you want about Donald Trump. There's no way we can have another Trump-like figure uh, come into politics because we're too far. Look, folks, I don't have any illusion about this. I, I believe there's a Marxist revolution going on in the country and it's under the guise of progressive policies or whatever. Because look where we were, look where we are, and just extrapolate. Oh, no, you're a conspiracy. This. Come on. Come on. Think about Just go back and look at stuff. But that's the problem we get back to again. Do you understand the information that was going on um, uh, with, with these, uh, these regimes that did this? You know, did, did you ever read? Uh, okay, I'll ask all, all the podcast followers. How many have you gotten the how many have you looked at the 1969 paper by Cloward Piven as to how to take down the US capitalistic oh, system? Yeah. How many have even just raise say, your hand and if you have and then you say uh, you, if you've read that and you've said to yourself, "Wow, that has nothing to do with this." Even just listen to KGB joke. defectors. There's this one video his name is Yuri something in the yeah. 70s just KGB like Well, Khrushchev always said that. Khrushchev said, "We'll be, but we'll we'll do if we'll we'll bury you." And it's but like he, a twenty-year process, too. But but Khrushchev's idea of burying us was uh, basically through ideology and mm-hmm. the the continued. Uh, and I, uh, Ezra Ezra Taft got into a fight with him, and Khrushchev said, "One day your grandchildren will wake up, and 
they will be communist. And Taft said, over my dead body, of course, Taft has passed. Uh, he, was a, he was a great man. But again, what is a common denominator? Not knowing what the heck is going on. Well, I think it's easier to not know what's going on when you got stuff like AI coming up and you can scan your hand at a grocery store and it'll pay and you got chips and stuff and you like just the the requirement to be to, to live is or, or exertion you need as a human being to live is so much lower now. It's like you're pretty much taken care of all the time. You hardly even have to think now that AI is a thing. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because a, a real, real a very, very smart meteorologist said that to me. I was talking about modeling. He says, well, it'll be almost impossible to beat the modeling once AI takes over. And I was like, what have you been looking at? Because I was looking at, oh, yeah, I was looking at the exactly. AI models for Hurricane Lee driving the storm into Providence one after another. Right. Well, that didn't work out. I mean, but that, I think AI is going to learn from itself. And so it's it's accuracy is going to grow exponentially. Like I think like you look at AI pictures from a year ago, they were putting six, seven fingers on people. And now if you look at you, can, you can, now you can hardly even tell. But they will. But I know I'm not saying I, I'm not I don't think I don't think AI will ever be able to be like creative and stuff. And I account I don't think AI will ever surpass like an encyclopedic knowledge of. I, like just hum I don't I just don't think AI will but ever be But the problem is accurate. people putting the information into the AI can I could, oh, I could, yes. I could get into a fight with an AI over global warming and beat beat it like a drum because it well you aware of the geothermal impact Yeah it's got to be politically right? correct too So if just, if all these does is focus on can you answer me about this can you answer me about that right because we we had a, one of the guys on the wrestling uh and Nittany Line wrestling club Sarone mm -hmm. right Trapped it completely on the transgender issue. Just completely trapped it. Yeah, it's and like it, politically it wound correct. Up, it's so it wound interesting. up saying to him, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go look at this again. I didn't, was fed wrong. This, I was like, and uh, do you know Sarone? He's a heavy, he's, uh, oh, yeah. he's a heavyweight, I, right? Yeah. Real, real, real good guy. Yeah, he's awesome. And he was telling me about this. Yeah, I just got on there and well, started. Um, Dr. Willie Soon said that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they trapped it. They trapped it there too. Yeah. But. I'm not. That's what I'm saying. It's like AI's not perfect right now, but just like what Elon says, it's gonna. It could possibly like well, ruin everything. Well, if you everything. put all the information, all, all correct information in, you might be able. I but mean, I don't think you can account for human error too. I don't think everyone putting information in it is just like all oh, bloodthirsty. I want to. I want to control the human race. But also, it's like you can't. You have to account for people have good intentions, and sometimes they're just wrong. You know, yeah. like I feel well, like that's that say the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. So big week for me, Jesse. Not only forecast, but Thursday, I'm on with Jeff. Oh, big yeah? opportunity. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, someone uh, uh, the other night uh, I was down at uh, uh, the bar. That's in Bowlesburg, <laughs> and I actually belted out two songs. It was kind of embarrassing because I got forgot the lyrics to um, "Paint It Black," <laughs> which I was like. I was up there, and all I did was just keep singing the same verse over and over again. <laughs> but um, so there's a band. I absolutely love this band, the Rocket Blasters. And I'm trying to convince, convince their lead singer, uh, Stephanie, to do Shallow with me. She gets the Lady Gaga part because, uh, and I'm better looking than Bradley Cooper. But uh, the, uh, the bass player, my buddy Martin Sheridan, says, yeah, I've been hearing you on the radio. I see you're back on the radio. 
I said, yeah, it's it, it's time to being time on the radio to, is cool. Yeah, well, I feel like it'll always be cool to be on the radio, even in its, even if there's like podcasts and all this stuff. I feel like that's just always just a cool avenue. Yo, I, like, I love listening stuff on to the live radio. radio. Like uh, listening to live stuff is the best. Yeah, that's why I miss Tucker. I miss Tucker uh, on um, I yeah. Fox so much. It almost well, felt like watching Twitter. prime prime time college football. It's like Twitter's fine, but I just miss Tucker. I want Tucker to do like a college game tape, college game day type thing. Like we want to watch Hannity live, a live taping of him. And I think it would be cool if Tucker went to like college campuses and filmed a live. Well, that would be show. really cool. That would be. Good. I think a lot of people would turn up. There'd for be that. people, yeah, but there'd be people. Uh, yeah, but it'd be screaming exciting. and yelling and all this. And That's I, the point. it's just weird because we uh, uh, we got a chance to spend a couple of hours with Tucker Carlson uh, last year. Was it? Was it last year we did? I don't the, think it's been quite a year. I think it was in the spring of this year. No, it wasn't. It uh, was my, no, it was, in, time it warp, was so. summer. We were up. You're in right. Maine. It was like. Um, and we were. Yeah. We were marveling at August, like large August. fields of what were forests paved over with solar panels. Yeah. Uh, so so. But 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 uh, in any case, uh, he was really really nice to us, and Riley Gaines was there. Right, which that's a heartbreaking story. I'm not getting into it now. In fact, I think we've just about run out of time yeah. here. Because, oh my gosh, yes, we <laughs> we did talk about college football for like 30 minutes though, but it had to be done. Yeah, we did. Speaking of college football, one of my goombas from when I was here, Rocco English and Rich Mowdy are up to something on the <laughs> my chat. <laughs> you know, I I but I. I it actually it makes me so happy to run into guys I went to school with, because we see each other and just start laughing, mm-hmm. because it was so much better than we had like not a sort of not a care in the world and it seems like it because I don't know and I, I, I I'm amused because most of them I thought would just be homeless people and they're all <laughs> more successful than me but all right well who wants to start signing this off I know I have to. Do the last sign. Well, hopefully I'll be in a better mood next Monday coming off the <laughs> Penn State win over Indiana. 100%. Yeah, well, we, I'll tell you, you'll watch long? Rutgers down the road, too. They're playing good ball. Uh, when's the first wrestling match? November what? 12th is the first tournament. Okay, so. Yeah. And, of course, I'm competing November 11th. Mm. That's a, that's but a big thing. But when's the first home match? Uh, it'll be the 24th. Okay, so and we want to we want to send kudos out. out to Anthony Kassar who yes. won his fight. Let's go. All right, get it. You got you got to uh, get it done sometimes. Just get yeah, the dub. I know, but he should be an actor. Yeah, uh, I mean, if I, I, I like look at your face. Why do you want to get get into fights? All right, and, and Aaron uh, of course uh, going for an under twenty three yes. world title. Yeah, Tuesday AB, night. AB. Yeah, the uh, uh, the other thing is. Uh, we want to extend our weekly invitation. Dr. Michael Mann, Bill Nye, you want to come on sometime? and We could chit-chat, be nice to each other. Speaking of Dr. Mann, I don't know if we're doing the podcast next week because I've been invited to show up at his trial what, by why? the people on Mark Ooh. Stein's side because they're finally, they're finally getting to that, you know, uh, what's his name? Mark Stein uh, called him a fraud. And he decided so to sue broad. him. And what's <laughs> fascinating is the, the, they have to Mark pick. Mark Stein, like the guy who used to cover for Rush, that Mark Yeah, Stein? yeah. But oh, Mar- and, uh, Mark Stein's his own lawyer, and he's just completely <laughs> trapping That's cool. the other lawyers. And uh, so it's going it's to be interesting. Uh, but, but look, um, American Girl, you want to sign off? Um, I'm easy. Bye.
<laughs> Jeff, you get any words of wisdom? Uh, no words of wisdom. Just looking for a much better offensive performance. Yeah. All right. Well, one of the one of the uh, things that should lead to a good offensive performance or a better one is we're playing Indiana, which is yes. not the caliber of Ohio State. But and we, uh, we could still do something crazy. We could beat Michigan, and then Michigan we could beat Ohio State. We could have that trans- transitive property thing, you know, like. Just I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I was looking looking to Jeff for words of wisdom because I don't have any except for you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.